So we're, we're still in Daniel. We're doing Daniel 11, which means we are in the four apocalyptic visions. And we're talking about the apocalypse. But what the apocalypse really is and not what people think the apocalypse is or want the apocalypse to be. Um, the apocalypse is, because they're different visions. So today we're going to learn about the kings of the north and the south. And we're in Daniel 11. We read the first verse at the end of last time, but I also kept it in the middle of this. So it says, and as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede. So we're, you know, the, the timing kind of jumps around on Daniel because of how they've organized it. So going back to the first year, do you want to go out? Um, Mr. Bill has a, has a page for you to color, too. <laughs> so as I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. <laughs> but they're doing, they're doing a lesson. <laughs> Play outside. <laughs> so if, he says, and now I will show you the truth. Um, I want to wait for Lisa. I don't want to get too far ahead of her. Ding, ding, Daniel. You're talking about the meat again. You're bad. So, okay, we'll just we'll keep going because she's she's got the thing there. So, behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia. And a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong through his riches, he shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece. So do you guys know which king ended up fighting against Greece? Xerxes. Yes, Xerxes. Some scholars believe King that... Darius did also. Huh? King Darius II. Well, Darius, yeah, because Darius the second, I believe, was Xerxes' father yeah, or grandfather. There was, but I think, and I think that was that may have been earlier. We were talking about that last week, and I can't ever remember the dates. Once my once I go away from looking at the things, I remember the stories and not the dates. Um, but but a lot of in the the movie about Esther, this is where that's what they have Xerxes. Uh, you know, or a Hasharush. Um, that's what he's distracted by, that he doesn't call her to be with him for a month. Is he's, he's distracted by preparing for war and, and um, sending messages back and forth with, with Greece. So then a mighty king shall arise who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. And as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not to his posterity, nor according to the authority with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides these. So do you know what that's talking about? Anyone? Bueller? 
Think about it. You guys have studied this. Who is the ruler of Greece? Because Greece wins, right? Mm -hmm. And who takes over with Greece? He's somebody great. Jesus. No, really not the answer to every question in church. Um, somebody the great. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, because a mighty king shall arise, uh, and he rules with great dominion, do according to his will, and when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not to his posterity. Um, and and do you remember when he when he died very suddenly, because he had no children, it was divided amongst two. His generals. His four top generals. Okay. And they made their own kingdoms, and then the kingdoms broke down. Yeah. Yes, yes. Chaotic. Okay. Um, so in the north were the Seleucids, and the south were the Ptolemies. Okay, those were the, the generals and, and their family names for where they set up their kingdoms. Forget, like, Egypt, Ptolemies. Yep, yep, and the Seleucids. Uh, and the northern area was from Greece through Iran, and the southern kingdom was from Egypt with the Middle East, okay? And this is important because we are about, we're, that's who we're talking about. We're going to be talking about the north and the south, okay? So that's why it matters who they were. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Different history. <laughs> it's similar, yes. <laughs> she okay? Yeah, that was his name, Bob. I was like, wait, I can't sit here and smell that. Oh, how funny. He's like, whoa. <laughs> Did you have what I had last night? <laughs> I don't want to get too far. Is Lisa going to be back in? I don't want to get too far ahead because we're oh. getting, we're breaking down history. Oh, yeah, I thought she was right behind me, too. I know. I think she turned. Oh, she, she, she's coming. Her? We're going to, we'll wait a second because I want to, I want to not leave. Since we're only doing one chapter, I don't want people to miss oh, I know. the history yeah. stuff. Okay, <laughs> we're going to catch you up. I walked, I walked the homeschool kids through it, so I'm going to catch you guys up on, yeah, on, on what we're doing. Um, okay. Let me go back real quick and read through it, and then I'll quick give you the history on it. Please stop that. Thank you. So, and as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him, and now I will show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong through his riches, he shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece, wow. which is Xerxes. Okay. Um, and, and actually, they talk about, I guess, him, him, Alexander the Great, defeating Darius III. So that's who you're talking about. It started with Greece, and then it went to Darius, mm -hmm. or with Xerxes and Darius, and, and, and then Alexander the Great. Uh, is the mighty king shall arise who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. And as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not to his posterity, nor according to the authority with which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides these. 
Well, Alexander the Great died at 33, and his, he didn't have any children, and it was a very sudden death, and his kingdom was divided between his four generals. Okay. Um, Alexander the Great. Yeah. There's debate about whether he died from being poisoned or possibly uh, his appendix ruptured. Uh, he just got very sick and over like three days' time, because they were about to go out to battle, and, and he ended up very sick, and then within all three days... Yeah, all the soldiers... Yeah, the sol he, he ran them hard and would not let them go home to their families, and they were constantly out. So they think he may have been poisoned, but... It also is very symptomatic of an appendix rupturing. Um, and the Xerxes in this story, that's not the same Xerxes. Yeah. It is? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, and that's why in the movie, they when he's distracted and doesn't call Esther in for that month, he's distracted by the pending war with Greece. Um, because historically, that's what was happening. And who conquered him, Xerxes? Uh, well, Darius actually took over, his, Darius III took over, and then Alexander the Great conquered Persia. Because Greece and Persia were at war, and, and I mean, Greece, Greece won. Greece pretty much won the war against Xerxes, but they didn't take over anything. Yeah, oh. until, let be. yeah, they, they, because, they, they kind of, well, because kind of like, you know, Babylon, it's like, you can be, or like Persia did, right. you know, you can stay, just be loyal to us, and, and we'll, we'll let you. Bible never give us any history on that, whether they had children, or. Yeah, I mean, we see it through the prophecies. Yeah. Well, and what that's I, to me, that's what's neat is when you line up history with the prophecies. Yeah. And you can see, oh, and then as soon as he had arisen, it was he was still very young and he didn't have any children. It went to his generals, and right. and you see, God knew what was coming. Right. Way back, you know, at the beginning of Darius the Mede. Wow. So it says, then the king of the south shall be strong. But one of his princes shall be stronger than he and shall rule, and his authority shall be a great authority. Thank you. So the, we're talking about the kingdoms of the north and the south because it divided up between his four kingdoms, and they each took a different direction. Or his four generals they each took a different direction. So the northern kingdom was the, where the Seleucids ran everything, and the southern kingdom was the Ptolemies. And the northern kingdom ranged from about Greece through Iran, and the southern kingdom was Egypt with the Middle East. Okay, so these, so Iran and Egypt, when it's talking about the king of the north and the king of the south, these are the areas that it's talking about, which are the same areas today. So this is one of those places where, is there something for the end in times, for the, the time that is the times? Yes, absolutely. But let's keep trying to understand this time so that we make sure we're on a foundation of what we're really talking about before we start applying it. So you said Egypt is considered the southern kingdom? Yeah, and then run by the Ptolemies. The, the northern is the Seleucids, and it's up in Iran. Yeah, Greece through Iran. Um, and then the king of the south shall be strong, but one of his princes shall be stronger than he, and shall rule, and his authority shall be a great authority. Um. So, so on this, I'm, I'm on a, a page that's talking about like the history of kind of aligning it there. Mm -hmm. Please stop. Please stop. Um, the strong king of the south is Ptolemy II, Philadelphus, uh, which is 283 to 246 BCE. And the prince Ptolemy III, Urgetes, 246 to 221, was his successor, who was an even stronger ruler. Mm -hmm. 
So after some years, they shall make an alliance. It's the kings of the north and the king of the south. And the daughter of the king, I mean, this is a really specific prophecy. I mean, this isn't, this isn't just one of those, it might apply to any of these things. You know, this is king of the south, king of the north. This is what's happening. King of the south has daughter. The daughter of the king of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement. And that was told me that the second's daughter, Berenice, who married the north king Antiochus II, Theos, uh, which brought a very short-lived alliance. It says, but she shall not retain the strength of her arm, and he and his arm shall not endure, but she shall be given up, and her attendants, he who fathered her, and he who supported her in these times. Wow. So her children were to be the new heirs of the throne, but Antiochus le uh, left and returned to his first wife, and Berenice and her children were killed. Wow. Okay. Very specific prophecy there. Very specific. We're not talking any ambiguity here whatsoever. And from a branch from her roots, one shall arise in his place. He shall come against the army and enter the fortress of the king of the north, and he shall deal with them and shall prevail. So her brother, Ptolemy III, who was the strong prince, waged a war against the northern king. Um, which was known as the Third Syrian War, which was 245 to 241 BCE, and he won, taking the capital at Antioch. Um, and, and I love that we're at a time, in, you know, where we start hearing names that we're going to keep hearing, you know, the church at Antioch, you know. So, so this, is, this is all area that, that's in play there. He shall also carry off to Egypt their gods with their metal images and their precious vessels of silver and gold, and for some years he shall refrain from attacking the king of the north. Um, so he apparently, the, the booty that he carried back from Egypt, or to Egypt included 2,500 molten images and idolatrous vessels. And... She'll eat till she can't no more. Yeah, I understand. So, so part of what he carried back. So it says he's going to carry back their gods with their metal images and their precious vessels of silver and gold. And he did, in fact, take back two thousand five hundred molten images and idolatrous vessels and forty thousand talents of silver. You know, it's randomly interesting. Ptolemy. Oh yeah. Found about that many idols in the big black box thing that is the thing that the Muslims go to pilgrims to. Oh, really? To. When they first found oh, that really? black box, they had tons, tons of, of idols in it. That they, yeah. Of, yeah, graven images. Tons. That makes sense. So that's so, and for some years he shall refrain from attacking the king of the north. Um, which he did. They had that big Says, then the latter shall come into the realm of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. So Seleucus II then undertook an an, uh, an attack, you know, tried to regain Parthia in Ptolemy's territory, and the result came to nothing. Um, apparently, according to some sources, he was even taken prisoner for several years by the Parthian king. 
his sons shall wage war and assemble a multitude of great forces which shall keep coming and overflow and pass through and again shall carry the war as far as his fortress. So his son, Antiochus III, the Great, uh, took his forces all the way down to Ptolemais, retaking all the territory lost to Ptolemy III, um, who was now succeeded by Ptolemy IV, uh, Philopator, or Philopator. So Ptolemy IV, uh, okay, so as far as his fortress. So they went all the way down to where the king of the south was and took back the land. Then the king of the south, moved with rage, shall come out and fight against the king of the north. And Ptolemy IV responded to what Seleucus, or Antiochus III did um, quickly the following year at Raphia. And Antiochus III lost at Raphia. But this was only a setback, for he was soon organizing his next move. And Antiochus waged another war sometime later and won back the land taken by the south. Okay, so he shall raise a great multitude, but it shall be given into his hand. And when the multitude is taken away, his heart shall be exalted, and he shall cast down tens of thousands, but he shall not prevail. Okay, so there's so much detail in here. It's not, you know, and then some king is going to come, and then something's going to happen to him. It's like, and then the king of the south, and the king of the north. This is, this is what's going to happen, and historically, it's what happened. For the king of the north shall again raise a multitude greater than the first, and after some years he shall come, uh, come on with a great army and abundant supplies. In those times, many shall rise against the king of the south, and the violent among your own people shall lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they shall not fail, or but they shall fail. So this is thought to be talking about um, uh, an account that's found in the Orthodox book of 3rd Maccabees. That, you know, that some among you, because he's talking to Daniel, that there will be Jews who rise up, and, and try to, you know, to fulfill the vision, but they shall fail. Um, let's see here. Then the king of the north shall come and throw up siege works and take a well-fortified city. And the forces of the south shall not stand or even his best troops, for there shall be no strength to stand. But he who comes against him shall do as he wills. She's talking to you, sweetheart. And none shall stand before him, and he shall stand in the glorious land with destruction in his hand. Well, what's the glorious land? Always Israel. Always Israel. Okay. Which is why this is all relevant to Daniel. Okay. This is why Daniel's where he is and the position that he's in. Because the things that are going to happen affect Israel. So um, Antiochus III uh, now tries to take a bite out of the south. The death, death of Ptolemy IV uh, provided an opportunity to attack Egypt at Gaza, which is the well-fortified city. Uh, then he turned against the Jews in Judea, the glorious land, and won the land. You know, and again, with destruction in his hand. He shall set his face to come with the strength of his whole kingdom, and he shall bring terms of an agreement and perform them. 
He shall give him the daughter of women to destroy the kingdom, but it shall not stand or be to his advantage. Well, what, okay, what he says is, um, after the wars, an attempt at peace with Egypt was made when Antiochus III offered his daughter Cleopatra I in marriage to the new king Ptolemy V. Mm. Uh, but Ptolemy V works with Rome to attack Antiochus. And Rome attacked Antiochus because he went after the coastlands of Asia Minor. And Rome won, which resulted in Antiochus losing newly claimed land. Okay. Because um, it will not be to his advantage. Afterward, he shall turn his face to the coastlands, which is the coastlands of Asia Minor, and shall capture many of them, but a commander shall put an end to his insolence. Indeed, he shall turn his insolence back upon him. Then he shall turn his face back toward the fortresses of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and shall not be found. Then shall arise in his place one who shall send an exactor of tribute for the glory of the kingdom. But within a few days he shall be broken, neither in anger nor in battle. Yes. So Antiochus then turns back to his own land in Iran. He mounts a fresh expedition to the east in Luristan, where he died in an attempt to rob a temple at Elamase in Persia in 187 BC. Um, and then Antiochus left the Seleucid kingdom to his son Seleucus IV, uh, Philopater, and the war with Rome left his kingdom in financial stress. In turn, he was assassinated, um, broken neither in anger nor in battle. Okay, by he shall be broken neither in anger nor in battle. He was assassinated. Somebody sneaked in and killed him. I mean, how that is so specific. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. He's not in a fight, he's not in a battle, but he's killed. Hey, it's an assassin. <laughs> and we can go, you know, so when, when when people are trying to say that certain things fulfill prophecies, keep this chapter in mind. Yeah. When there's a specific prophecy. There will be a specific fulfillment. You don't have to guess. You don't have to try and figure it out and, you know, and like make things fit. Um, so. Oh, they did. Happening, you know, if they didn't like them, hey, get your group together. We can assassinate him, poison him, whatever. Yeah, let's just do it. We want to do it. Spear him, whatever. Well, and he was. Um, he was apparently, the assassination was by his minister, uh, Heliodorus, because of his policies. Um, and in Second Maccabees 3, 1 through 28, it reports that Seleucus tried to make treasures from the temple in Jerusalem, which is possibly the meaning of the exact, exactor of tribute. So he tried to, he, you know, took them and tried to do things, and, and it resulted in his death. Oh, yeah. Did he learn nothing from the finger on the wall? Come on. <laughs> I know. So in, in his place shall arise a contemptible person to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Armies shall be utterly swept away before him and broken, even the prince of the covenant. And from the time that an alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, and he shall become strong with a small people. Wow. 
wow, this is the rise of who now? Antiochus IV. So it says the throne of Seleucus had no heir uh, because his son Demetrius was a prisoner in Rome. He was a prisoner in exchange for Antiochus IV, son of the previous king, Antiochus III. So Antiochus IV took advantage of the empty throne. and Well, Antiochus IV um, established the throne, or took advantage of the empty throne and established himself as king. So he led a few campaigns against Egypt and warred with Israel, which is the prince of the covenant, and other countries through his reign. He was able to avoid Roman intervention by leaving the king of Egypt on the throne, but only as a puppet king. He later invaded Egypt again under the rule of Ptolemy VI, Philometor. After leaving Egypt, he took Israel, which was under Egyptian rule at that time. Israel was treated harsher by Antiochus than any king before. He taxed them literally to death, then killed them some more. He stripped their freedom of religion, too. So it's under Antiochus IV that we have it, it is illegal to study Torah. It is illegal to celebrate the new moon or track the Hebrew calendar. It is illegal to circumcise your sons. It is illegal. This is where Hanukkah comes in. They could not celebrate. The temple was destroyed. Um, the, you know, the dreidel, for, because they were having to hide and pretend to be gambling in order to study Torah. So, without warning, he shall come into the richest parts of the province, and he shall do what neither his fathers nor his father's fathers have done, scattering among them plunder, spoil, and goods. He shall devise plans against strongholds, but only for a time. Um, so... That's kind of an overview, and now we're actually going to go into a little more detail of what he does. He shall stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall wage war with an exceedingly great and mighty army, but he shall not stand. So in other words, the king of the south has a bigger army, but he's not going to win. For plots shall be devised against him. Even those who eat his food shall break him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. So Antiochus IV invades Egypt for his, for his first time, captures most of it. Antiochus leaves Egypt with its king Ptolemy VI on the throne as part of an agreement. Ptolemy is to be a puppet king. Um, but eventually he's driven off the throne by the members of his own family. Uh, and then he goes to Rome for help. So the two kings could refer to Ptolemy and his younger brother who ruled jointly. Um, but now we're actually going, this is the birth of Hanukkah. This is next section. <laughs> That's right. And as for the two kings, which is, it was saying him and his brother, their hearts shall be bent on doing evil. They shall speak lies at the same table but to no avail, for the end is yet to be at the time appointed. Okay, so now we're talking, we start talking about appointed times. Mm -hmm. And, and what, when it talks about in Genesis, when God puts the stars and the sun and the moon in the sky, what, it's, what it really says is he puts them there to mark the appointed times which is kind of a, a double picture, I believe, um, you know, from what, I, what I've studied about it, is that those are the things that actually mark time, 
you know, before the sun and the moon, yeah. there, there was no passage of time. That's true. Okay. But also, you know, we've got, we've looked before at the whole constellations marking out the gospel. So, so in the stars, there is appointed times counted out. But also, um, you know, the word the Moedim, his appointed times, his holy feasts, they were done by season. So as that constellation would go around, it was part of how you knew what season you were in. So these things are actually counting down the times. But I, I think that, it's, that there's even more to it in that as time goes on, there are moments where God is doing something specific. And everything prior to that is counting down to that time. And then that appointed time comes. And everything is moving everything towards that appointed time. That there are times where that God is doing certain things. And people want to look, some, some people want to look in the everyday for, you know, I've known people who, who pray fervently, what tie should I wear today to be in your will? And, you know, oh. and, and I, I've been of the belief, no, you go, what are you doing, God? And how can, I, how can I get on board with it? And you be, you know, the remnant. You be in the right place at the right time doing what, what he's doing. And then you'll be a part of it. Because here he's talking at the appointed time. And this is a couple of kings before, four kings before any of this starts. He's telling Daniel, this is what's going to happen. And this is the detail in which it's going to happen. So this is something, this is an appointed time. This isn't a, it just happened and God went, oh, look what's happening. This was God, God was not only seeing it coming, he was driving it towards these moments. So he shall return to his land with great wealth, but his heart shall be set against the holy covenant. And he shall work his will and return to his own land. At the time appointed, he shall return and come into the south, but it shall not be this time as it was before. So Antiochus IV returned to his kingdom after his victory, passing through Israel as he went north. He wanted to Hellenize the Jews there, which is his heart being against the Holy Covenant. And that was the, it, everything in the Holy Covenant was illegal. You have to be Greek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed laws making it illegal to worship God, replaced him with Zeus, put an idol of Zeus in the temple. This is where he sacrificed the pork on the temple altar, urinated all over the walls, just, you know, defecated in the temple, destroyed it completely, made it completely unclean and unfit for worship. Then Antiochus IV returned to Egypt again and cast out Ptolemy VI, or the outcast Ptolemy VI was ahead of him this time. He had told uh, Rome, um, which is Katim. So when you see prophecies talking about Katim, the ships from Katim, Mm -hmm. it's Rome, which is west of Israel. What Antiochus was up to, Rome sent her ships after Antiochus. Now at this point, and and I'm I'm going to... Okay, Um, because this is all from the prophecy of Balaam. That's where we first encounter all of these things that are playing out in Daniel. When they keep trying to pay him to, to, you know, 
damn the Jews and, 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 you know, speak ill against them. And he keeps saying, I can only say what I can say. And then he starts out with these prophecies about the ships from Katim and, you know, and, and he's all, all of this is there. So I think it might be a good thing to take, like to go back and look at that and see how it compares while we're right here. Who's Balaam? is Daniel, right? Yeah, but go all the way back with the judges. The when um, Balaam's donkey, yeah, okay, okay, um, and and they kept coming to him, and God kept telling him, "You're not gonna, you're not gonna prophesy against my people," right. and so he kept telling them, "I can't," and then they finally said, "Well, just come out." And so he said, "I'll go, but I'm only I can only say what God lets me," and then he starts saying all of this stuff about how you're going to have some victories, but ultimately the Jews are going to prevail, and they did not like that, and he's like, "Dude, I told you I was gonna." I was only going to be able to say what I said. Um, but that's where we first encounter a lot of this, is, is him saying it all the way back there, which I, I think is really amazing, that, that that far in advance. I mean, this far in advance is amazing, but that far in advance, and then confirmed and expanded upon, is like, dang. Um, so it says, uh, so they Rome sent her ships after Antiochus and found him invading. Having almost won the war, he was caught by the Roman um, Gaius Popilius Linus. Um, you like that name? Gaius Popilius Linus. <laughs> well, there you go. He might hate you for that, but I think it'd be cool. not going to have a middle or last name. Just, that's his first name. Just, it's just going to be his whole name. Gaius? No, just the whole thing that... that oh, is. all one word. Name. There you go. <laughs> it says, for ships of Katim, how funny, for ships of Katim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw, and shall turn back and be enraged and take action against the Holy Covenant. He shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress, and shall take away the regular burnt offering, and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. Okay. That is, that is the destruction of the temple. I mean, the profaning of the temple. It wasn't actually destroyed, but it was made, rendered unfit for worship. Right. Okay. Um, so, so they say being threatened, he ran, he ran uh, and withdrew from Egypt um, and he was really furious, so he turned his wrath on the Jewish nation of Israel. And, you know, any, he, anyone who resisted Hellenization out of the Jews was killed. The statue of Zeus was built at the temple for worship. You know, the pigs, like I would say, the pig sacrifice. So this, this is, you know, that point in the prophecy where he does all of that. Um, and and that was the abomination. It, I mean, if you think about it, an, an abomination that makes desolate or an abomination that makes desolation, the abomination was the profaning of the temple. And what made desolation was the inability of the Jews to go to the temple to worship. Okay. That it, it became desolate because they couldn't use it. Right. So the abomination of making it desolate is what we're talking about. Mm. Okay. Um, because you, this is one of those phrases that you'll hear a lot of people talking about what it means. 
oh, the abomination of desolation. Well, that's when the Antichrist says he's God, or the abomination of desolation. That's when this says it. And no, it's when the ability to worship according to God's law and instruction is rendered impossible. That's the abomination that makes desolate. And that's what happens when there's a destruction of the temple. That's what happens when there's a violation of the temple. Um, and, and you notice that is the one situation where Yeshua actually acted with force was when he drove the money changers who were, who were doing illegal things. The money changers actually had a purpose because they were there for the travelers who had to travel with money and then exchange it for sacrifices. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to be there. Right. They were not supposed to be doing what they were doing and behaving the way they were doing and cheating people and not giving them the right exchange. Right. Okay? And so... So they no, hardly nobody knew about so Yeshua went in there throwing tables. Yeah, he turned over the tables and he drove out the animals. He did not whip the people, which people like, oh, he took. He did not whip the people because they were Jewish and he would have been violating the law and he would have been guilty of sin if he had done that. But he drove them out and he, he, he threw them out get out of here, and he drove off the animals, and he turned over the tables because they were turning his father's house into a, a den of thieves. They were, they were abominating in the temple. Okay. Um, so, if it will turn. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. Hmm. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And, and I, I, I really, if you look at that, it is so pointed and, and speaks to what is happening today and what happens at every time in history. Those who violate the covenant are seduced with flattery by the evil one. Mm -hmm. But the people who know their God stand firm and take action. Yep, they don't believe that flattery one. That's right. They see the truth. Because, because we've talked before, Hasetan, what does he do? He challenges God's character. Yeah. And he does it by flattering people. Yeah. You're so special. God just wants to keep this from you. Mm. Why does he want to? Do, I, why, did he tell you why he what, doesn't want you to have this? I bet it's because you'd be just like him if you got it. Mm -hmm. And he wants to keep that from you. You, you won't die. die of the flesh. Did he really say that? I bet he wants you to have it. I mean, I want you to have it. You want you to have it. Yeah, <laughs> and they, I do want me to have it. Why is he keeping this from me? Oh yeah, but the people who know God, what happens when when Hasetan tries to do that to Yeshua? He's like, oh no, that is not even the right verse for this situation. 
You are twisting the scripture. You, you know, I know you understand. You know I understand. So let's just have this out right here. And, and the warning to us, resist. Don't give in to the flattery. Flee. Flee. Flee temptation. Don't violate the covenant. And put yourself in a position to be tempted by the flattery. I think our, our biggest thing is standing there listening to that too long. Right. Going, oh, is this right or wrong? I don't, it feels uncomfortable. I think this is wrong, but, but I don't want to be rude. Yes. Oh, no, be rude. Because they're being rude. Yeah. That's the rudeness. You're doing rude. Righteous is never rude. Right. And don't be righteous rudely. <laughs> Fleeing is not the same as attacking. Yeah. We don't have to attack the flattery. Yeah. We just need to flee it. We need to get out of there. Cool. Yeah, I think I hear my mother calling. <laughs> or my father calling. <laughs> and take action. And, and, I, and it, taking action isn't, it, it's fleeing. You know, now the Maccabees, they took some specific action, but they were in the priestly line and they were getting back the temple. And there are times where God is very clear on what our action is supposed to be. But in general, taking action means not being passive. Getting out of there is action. Fleeing is action. Resisting is action. Responding with truth is action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. When they stumble, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so uh, this is, um, do, do, do. whoever worshipped Zeus was safe from being killed, but those who didn't were severely persecuted, and they held out for many years. And then um, going into the next into verse 35, because this goes on. And some of the wise shall stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end. So, so that's what we've been talking about. When the wise stumble, when you, when you fall for the flattery, you know, just like when, when Riri was asking, well, why doesn't God get rid of Satan? Because he reveals our weaknesses. We should be grateful for the opportunity to learn what we don't understand yet. That's why we can consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. Where did the trials come from? They come from us stumbling, us not understanding, us going, wait, is it? And God says, let's shore that up. Let's refine that. Let's get that dross out of you. Let's burn it out. Let's get you ready for what's coming next. Until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time. And the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak astonishing things against the god of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished, for what is decreed shall be done. And then he shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god, for he shall magnify himself above all. 
He shall honor the God of fortresses instead of these, a God whom his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. Um, so going back to the history of how things happened, um, Antiochus died suddenly. So after, or after he had his way with Israel, so God's people prevailed and the temple was restored. The final stand against Antiochus marks the beginning of the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. Mm. So that's where it was saying, when they fall, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery, and some of those who are wise shall fall. So they, they have this victory, but it, there's still stuff going on. Um, now, this site suggests that everything from 36 forward hasn't happened yet or is yet to happen. Um, it can't be linked with specific historical events. So they argue that it's speaking of the last days. Um, and just like we, when we went through all the others, there was the part, you know, the first part was always about historical stuff, and then the second part was about what had not happened. Mm -hmm. But what I would suggest in here, and maybe we can look at this a little more next week too, we'll pull in the, the bookends of these, is that some of these things, you know, when Yeshua talks about the time that's not the time and the time that's not the time and the time that is the time, that second time that's not the time is with Rome. So, so as we go through here, um, so the king doing according to his own will pays no attention to the gods of his fathers or the one beloved by women, which is, it's one of the ways that Yeshua is discussed the number of women who served in his ministry, and it was women who, who actually funded his ministry. And, um, and, and he, he, did a he was an advocate of women on every level in a way that was revolutionary. Um, I'm suggesting that. I'm not saying that's who it's talking about, but the king not paying attention to the gods of his fathers or the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god, for he shall magnify himself above all, um, which I would suggest was what the Caesars did, because the kings of Rome made themselves, they, Caesar was declaring themselves God. Mm -hmm. You know, not just worshiping the gods, but he's one of them. A God whom his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He shall deal with the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign God. Those who acknowledge him, he shall load with honor. He shall make them rulers over many and shall divide the land for a price. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind, with chariots and horsemen and with many ships, and he shall come into countries and shall overflow and pass through. Which to me sounds a lot like how Rome ended up falling. Kind of attacked on all sides, the barbarians came in, the... Um, but again, I'm just throwing that out there. He shall come into the glorious land, and tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand, Edom and Moab, and the main part of the Ammonites. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and silver, and all the precious things of Egypt, and the Libyans and the Cushites shall follow in his train.
But news from the east and the north shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction, and he shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. Um, so, you know, a lot of that, you know, like I said, because he talks about, even in here, they say the Romans crushed the empire and, and, you know, this, there's, you can kind of see some of the history of what's happened. They, because even the fall of Rome was so long and they would be, they would be taken down, but then they were still there. You know, and then they'd be taken down, but they were still there, and then they kind of petered out, and yet they're really still there. <laughs> so, you know, they haven't really gone away. It's they're they're still, um, you know, and that is that is where a lot of you know the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church has upheld a lot of the the traditions and a lot of the things, and and again. You know, when people, oh, Catholic Church is the Antichrist, Pope's the Antichrist. I'm like, no, come on, stop. But there's a lot of teaching that needs to be challenged because it comes from Rome and not from Scripture. And there's a, you know, a growing movement to do that now, to say, you know, when you look at books like Pagan Christianity, to say, where did these things we're doing come from? Why are we doing why are we doing this? Why do we have a pastor up at the front of the church? Yeah. Because of the Roman Senate. Like this, yeah. That's how the Roman Senate did it. Wow. You know, why do we have you know this or that? And you go, oh well that's how they did it in Rome. And we're not bound to that. Yeah. You know, we're not bound to that. And and I, I think that that's where a lot of the idea of, of different roles in the church being about power instead of service come from. And I'll tell you, if you think your title in your church gives you power, you will fall to flattery. That's true. You will fall to flattery. In some level, the level to which you fall will reveal the level to which you thought you were powerful. And it must have been even stronger you know, back when my mom was coming up. Because I remember she came out to California where I was living and um, she would go to church with me. And uh, she and I were sitting at the table and the line was long. So we decided, oh, we'll sit here and we'll get our food later. Mm -hmm. The pastor came by and said, why are you guys not you know, in the line or why are you not getting your food? And he said, oh, we're just waiting for the, for the line. Yeah. And he went and got in the line and brought my mother played food because she's diabetic. Mm -hmm. so he wanted her to eat. And my mom talked about that for years. She's like, I can't believe a pastor. A pastor and why would you she just kept saying that. Why would you can't believe that's what a pastor should do? Said, People bring him food. They do right. him. Right. They have all these gifts and they but he actually brought me she was so impressed. <laughs> well I was telling wow. someone yesterday, you know, there was a, a pastor at a church my parents had gone to who his, his testimony of why he, like his calling, mm -hmm. was I fell in love with my wife and she always wanted to be married to a pastor. So I guess that meant I was supposed to be a pastor. Really? Wow. I am not kidding. And he told fart jokes from the pulpit. And he had 
a congregation of mostly senior citizens from Sun City who were all living on, on their Social Security. You wouldn't think that they would... Every year they were expected to buy him a new car. He lived in an expen... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And he had a counselor that, that they would pay to send people to if they needed it, but they, people had to sign an agreement that the counselor would tell the pastor everything that was shared in the counseling. No. There were so many things going on that I was like, I don't know. It was here in the valley. What church was that? I'm not going to say on a recording. <laughs> but I would, I was just, I mean, That's, what? And then it's amazing that people are so blind. But he's the pastor. He's the pastor. Right, and that's. You rely on the pastor to tell you the word instead of you going into it yourself. That's yep. why God says don't have any idols because people set up pastors Not as idols. idols. And then stuff like that happens. Yes. Well, and this, but, and that's why I was saying that when, when you went out there, that the more, like the, the level of power you view your position in ministry as giving you is the level to which you will fall to flattery. Because, and I want, I want to go back to that verse because the way it was worded was just, it, it was, it was exactly, he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. Yeah. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And ministry is not about power. I, I was at a, a talk the other night, and one of the, one of the speakers was saying that, that ministry is about authority and vulnerability. And, and he actually had... It was really great, um, and I'm gonna. I want to get. I want to show, share this because it, I think it really applies here. And then we can go ahead and. Vida, I know we went long, but I, I give you a break. You're not going home till <laughs> till you're refreshed. <laughs> but it was um, one of the things that he talked about was if you look at think of like a like a graph, you know, that's divided and authority at the top, or authority, high authority and low authority, and then high vulnerability and low vulnerability, okay? And he said when you have high authority and high vulnerability with, with leadership in a church, right. it thrives. Wow. They, the, and authority meaning God's put me in this position and I'm confident of that and, and this is what, we're doing. And, and again, and he was saying thriving, meaning the, the people will thrive, the people will grow and they will learn and they will mature and there will be healthy, godly things going on. Okay. He's like, not, he goes, I'm not talking like get big. He goes, I'm talking the, the people thrive, the ministry thrives. When there's high authority and low vulnerability, then you end up with control that ends up exploiting people. I have this position, and I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to share of my own weaknesses because I don't want you to question my authority. Yeah. Then you exploit people. 
Right. When there's high vulnerability and low control, you know, low authority, then you end up with um, victimizing people yeah. and like or being victimized, playing up your suffering. Oh, you know, and, and it's just kind of and with low control or low authority and low vulnerability, then then you withdraw from ministry. It's like, oh, I feel powerless, you know, and and I think a lot of times what happens is people who approach ministry as high authority and low vulnerability end up with low authority and low vulnerability <laughs> because you're going to lose your authority if you don't bring the vulnerability and and actually and actually do the ministry. So we're going to finish up, Bree. You want to get a little blessing before we go? I know, you're all jiggly-wiggly. You're jiggly-wiggly. Yes, it's all that sugar. She's all, let's go. So, but I next week we'll, we're, we're going to take a little bit of time. And I, we might still go on, but I want to look at that prophecy of Balaam and what Yeshua said and kind of look at it in line with having just looked at this. Because I think it's really... When I first put the connection together, I went, oh, my gosh, this is a prophecy. Because the, the thing to me, this is a prophecy that spans the entire Bible. Wow. And that makes me step back and go, this is important. If we hear it from Balaam and we hear it from Daniel and we hear it from Yeshua, yeah. I want to know more about what's going on here. I want to understand what they're, what they're each saying about this same prophecy. Because three times, that's important. That's, that's powerful. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you. Grant each and every one of you and all of us his peace. Amen. She started talking Amen. that and she wakes up and looks right at I know she did. She rolled right over and went. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording.